This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Today we want to talk about why does a lot of content, as today's guest would say, most content, maybe all content. I don't know if I'm going to agree with that one, but a lot of content out there sucks. And why is that necessary? Why do we have to create content when it doesn't live up to expectations of our audience? So Ron Watt Jr., um, if you follow him on LinkedIn, you can see his ha- uh, hashtag content sucks or white content sucks or something like that. Uh, certainly that is a topic of passion for him. So I want to find out why he feels that way. But before we get there, I always sit here with my LaCroix um, sprinkle water, um, sp- sparkling water must be my German heritage. Uh, you can order that directly on Amazon by scanning the link um, right here on the screen. So let's find out why does Ron think that all this content sucks and hopefully our content today will not suck. So fingers crossed, you guys can let us know in the comments how you feel about it. Welcome to the show, Ron. So what is it with the obsession or, you know, um, of content sucking? I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you 100%. I mean, certainly there's some good content out there, but there also is a lot of crap. And crap, of course, if you guys haven't heard, stands for content really annoying to people but tell me why is there so much crappy content out there well i think number one there's just there's too much content number one um i think that people are using content for various purposes that are not in the interests of the reader or the consumer for instance um posting content that is purely for seo reasons um is is a reason that can make content suck. I mean, when you want to engage with a piece of content, you want to have some value. You want to walk away and understand something new. And that's primarily the reason why most content sucks. And the hashtag on LinkedIn is hashtag why most content sucks. Well, most is definitely better than all content. So that's good to know. Um, but but let's kind of dig into the whole SEO comment just a little bit more here. And certainly a lot of the things I create is for SEO. I mean, even, you know, I just wrote about the AI generator I use for headlines. And I would like to argue that my headlines have becoming way, have become better because I've been using that tool. But here's the thing. I never use them as they are, mostly because of SEO, because they're usually too long and they don't fit in there. So talk about, and we had Maddie, Maddie Osmond on the show before who talked about, you know, how do you write for machines and humans? So why can't people figure it out? Like you write for SEO and you write for people at the same time. Why, like, why can't people do it? I think um, generally why people can't do it is they have an over-reliance on writing for machines or even writing for the consumer. They can't strike that right balance. 
Um, the reason that I've seen that people can't strike that right balance is that um, they they won't use something called subject matter experts. Um, so subject matter experts, SMEs, are really provide value to a piece of content. For instance, if you what you're doing right now, interviewing me, I'm a subject matter expert on content and public relations. Um, when people are developing content, they should really reach out to subject matter experts and try to get some input from them. They should also try to use different statistics um, that can help support their um, their key messages or what they're trying to get across. You know, I never understand the whole thing anyways of why more content creators don't actually interview the experts. And and I, so there's a couple different reasons why I think that's important to begin with. Number one is, right, I'm talking to you, you're sharing my episode, right? I'm quoting you. Every time I quote you, you're probably going to share it, or a lot of experts do. But at the same time, I'm also helping you get your brand out there, right? I mean, it's another podcast you can say you've been on. It's another blog you can say you've been quoted in, right? It all kind of works together. So I never understand the creators that don't talk to people, which is crazy. I don't get it. So why is that really the, the easiest answer to make your content suck less or, or be better just by talking to the experts? I, I personally think that that is the number one reason. Um, if you go back to my posts on LinkedIn, the very first post that I wrote about, or one of the very first posts I wrote about, and I published about, I would say close to um, 60 different posts about why most content sucks, is the number one reason is that people aren't using subject matter experts. And I think the reason why they're not using it is they just don't know how. They don't know how to um, pick up a phone or, or write an email or reach out to people that would really um, make their content more rich, more valuable to the consumer or to the reader. Um, it, it's really just a matter of, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's picking up the phone and talking to um, subject matter experts and interviewing them and understanding where they're coming from because, look, they're the ones that are in the trenches and they're the ones that can provide the most value. Um, it, it's not necessary to know everything about everything. Um, that's why we have subject matter experts and that's why it's important to interview them when you are creating a piece of content because it, the value will, will be exponentially better. Yeah, I so I think this is one reason why you need to hire journalists, right? Journalists are not necessarily uh, marketing ops people, but what journalists are really good at, I mean, at least the good ones, is they're good at interviewing people, right? They're good at peeling back the stories that they're uncovering and kind of going from there. So the other thing that I've kind of thought about over the years is when I grew up in journalism, Ron, I would write an article and the article is done, right? And when the article is done, um, that's the end of that article. I'll never touch it again. And part of that certainly was because it was a printed medium at the time. But today, I touch content all the time. So, for example, you know, I, I'll probably take some of your quotes and put them in an article that I already have. 
because there's probably already an article on this topic or close to this topic on my blog. Um, is that another way to make content better, continuously going back and refining it? I mean, with, with social, you can't do it, right? Because once it's out there, it's out there. Right. But, um, but, but on your web content, is that a strategy you recommend or, or maybe not? I totally do. Um, I think you've hit on a couple key points. Um, let me go back to your, your comment about hiring journalists. I think that if you hire a journalist to write your content or to at least look it over, it'll provide some invaluable input to making your content more rich, more um, valuable. Um, as far as, um, you know, working with the content and understanding, um, updating it as, as you go along, I think that that's a great idea. And I think that it's something that you should consider. I wouldn't, you know, lose sleep over it. Um, if, if you can't get to it, it's, you're not going to kill your entire content strategy. But what I would recommend is if you have some some new nuggets that would provide more value to your evergreen um, content, I would definitely suggest updating it. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that's I think that takes some work getting used to. Right. So what I do is I go back when it makes sense. I go back when it's top of mind. I, you know, for for orphaned, not orphaned content, cornerstone content. I, I get a notification by Yoast, right, when you haven't updated it in six months or so. Now, um, but are you being too harsh with people? I mean, does content really suck or is it just it could be better? Like, where's that line? Well, I think I think I am being harsh. Um, there's no question about it. I think that um, the hashtag why most content sucks is it's pretty harsh and i've had some feedback where people have said look you know you should put a positive spin on it why content doesn't suck or something of that nature but i tell you i i just i reached a point before i started the the um the series on linkedin hashtag why most content sucks because i had had it i i had had <laughs> um i was sick and tired of consuming content that was that honestly just sucked it, it didn't provide any value it was written just for machines it didn't provide any subject matter experts um and it it really it was starting to become a waste of time that's not to be said that that there isn't good content out there I, I want to give kudos to the people that spend a lot of time on their content and they don't just write for machines um, and that they try to strike the balance between writing for humans and machines. Um, I think that there, there is good content out there, but I still think that in this day and age, there's still, I would say the majority of the content does suck. <clears throat> and you see the book that I threw up there. This is uh, Maddie Osmond, who was previously on the show, writing for humans and robots. It's not writing for humans or robots, it's everybody involved. Now, uh, aside, I mean, I, I, I just, I just, 
I don't disagree with you on the whole topic that people do this. And I try to kind of uh, write for both and do what Maddie recommends in her book. And uh, certainly you can scan it with your phone if you want to take a take a read there. Very, very, very interesting read. But what are some other reasons why content sucks? I mean, the, you know, a couple of things that come to my mind is when everything gets done by committee, right? I mean, by the time everybody, oh, wow. no, 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 no committee has ever come up with a good piece of content, in my opinion. Uh, is that one reason? And, and if so, what, what, what other, what other uh, reasons come to mind why content sucks? Yeah, um, that's definitely one reason. Um, and I think we touched upon it on one of my posts uh, with the hashtag why most content sucks on LinkedIn. The, 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 the reason um, why I think most content sucks is the, the fact of the, the nature that um, Again, not using subject matter experts and writing just for machines, but also um, it leads to it, a lot of times it leads the reader to a dead end. Um, there isn't a call to action or there isn't um, a follow up or any type of nature that, you know, there's a next blog in the series or something of that nature. It just kind of ends and there's no call to action. And I think that that would help um, people kind of get some more value and understand and put some closure to the content, each piece of content, as far as um, leading them to something else or some, um, it could be something uh, as simple as, you know, um, write your comments about this, this piece of content or something of that nature. So. That's one of the reasons as well. Yeah, it's just very interesting. And I, the other thing I think I heard you, it's kind of embedded in your answer there is that sometimes people just create content one thing at a time, right? So it's like you create this one article or you create this one post or you create this one campaign or whatever. And I haven't done, um, I mean, I do campaigns all the time, but they're not, they're always part of a bigger initiative right so it's not like a one like when you think about this podcast we're not just doing random episodes right every episode has something to do with business storytelling one way or another sometimes we go off on a tangent that's like it's it's getting close to not being related at all but it's still kind of part of it right but it's always part of a better thing so how much of this happens because people just go do and didn't actually come up with a strategy before they started doing it. Oh, you bring up a really good point. I think that before you um, have any type of content campaign, you need a strategy. You need um, a general overarching key messages that you want to get across from a campaign. And what we suggest doing is coming up with at least three key messages that you want to enter twine with your blog series or your content series. And then with those three key messages, um, each key message should be supported by nine proof points, or, um, or I'm sorry, three proof points, which would be a total of nine proof points. And that can be anything from statistical information to any type of factual information that supports your key message. Um, we really think that if you take the time on pre-production and spend time on coming up with your key messages that you want to get across 
um, and then spend time on um, conducting an exercise where you put together the proof points that that will allow you to interweave in, in, into a strategic campaign so you can create more content and it's actually easier to write. You know, it's interesting to me too, when you talk about proof points, um, maybe this is my journalistic background, but you know, certainly I can say, oh, here's the three reasons why this is the best podcast, the best business podcast ever, right? And I'll tell you my three reasons. And because I said them, they don't mean as much, right? But if I have the same article and there is Ron Watt Jr. said, blah, 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 you know, like, so I'm actually adding some credibility. I'm as um, Aaron Blasky, I think is her last name, as she said, is you're writing the halo effect from other people, right, to an effect. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you do that? How do you uh, how do you find the right people to interview, the right people to quote? Um, I mean, should it be internal people? Should it be external people? Like, how do you find the right mix? Right. So um, it's it's typical research uh, on via Google. Um, there's also there's different tools out there where you can find experts. Um, there's software that you can purchase. Um, I don't have anything by name right now, but if you Google um, sourcing uh, software or journalistic sources, um, you can apply to the um, software as a journalist or as a blogger, and you can put out um, in kind of like an APB that says that you're looking for a source for a particular article. And then what happens is it goes out to um, thousands and thousands of different sources um, as a broadcast, and then you'll get feedback and input from the sources. So that's a really easy way to do it. And I would recommend um, searching for the right type of solution as far as that's concerned. The other way to do it is to Google your topic that you wanna write about and find out who has already written about the topic and are they a journalist? That would be great. Are they a well-read blogger with a lot of visitors um, on their website? So um, that those are two ways that I would recommend reaching out and, and, and really trying to get some of the key subject matter experts involved in your content. And if you want to read the article that Aaron is quoted in, uh, I do have that at the bottom there, christophtrap.com forward, forward slash using hyphen the hyphen halo. So a kind of an interesting topic. Uh, the other way I find people is just by being um, just by being out there, just by seeing who's being retweeted, who's being shared, who's and I'm pretty sure that's how you and I connected. Um, yeah. You were just talking about the topic and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, let's invite Ron on the show. Um, but how do you know? So, I mean, certainly I saw your content. You didn't reach out to me, right? I was like, oh, this might be a good topic to talk about. But if I'm putting it out there into the world, hey, I need uh, podcast guests about this topic. How do I know that the people that are coming back to me are actually good guests, are actually experts? How do I, do I have to do a background check or how does that look? Yeah. Um, you basically do have to do your due diligence. Um, you have to, what I recommend doing is a pre-interview um, 
starting to feel them out and trying to get a, a gut reaction. Um, you can ask for references. Um, you can ask for you, their resume. Um, you know, it, it's okay to ask for information about if someone's going to be a guest on your podcast or a guest in your blog. It's okay to ask for that information because you're doing them a favor by having them come on. So you just kind of have to ask and, and figure out how far you want to take it. Uh, but how yeah. far would you recommend to take it? I mean, I uh, I certainly look at people, I look at their content, and most of my stuff is I'm reaching out to them. I also weigh how easy or difficult people are to work with, right? So if they're, uh, if they're super high maintenance, I had one person. So when I invite you, right, I send you a link and say, if you're interested, please sign up. I hope you consider it. But I've had some people send me their own link, and I'm like, yeah, we're not a match because you're too difficult already. Um, how do we? Uh, how far do we take it? What's your recommendation? I I would take it as far as what you feel comfortable. Um, I I think that you just kind of answered your own question as far as if someone is difficult to work with, and for instance, is sending their own link for a podcast that you're putting together. Um, you know, that's obviously a red flag. Um, I think a, a good um, kind of rule of thumb is, you know, how easy are they to work with? Number one. And number two is I would ask for their resume. Um, I, I really would. And um, I would ask for their references. So that's how far I would take it. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily, if I get a feeling that their, their resume isn't as solid as I would like, or as I would want it to, to be, to be on my program or on my blog or what have you, um, then I would ask for their references and that I, I would, I would call them up and, and find out, you know, what, what the person's all about. Um, also, another good way to do it is on LinkedIn is to take a look at their LinkedIn profile and understand what type of endorsements have they had. Do they have um, testimonials? So that's an easy way to do it as well. So we got about a couple two two one minute segments left here for the show for today's episode five episode five hundred eighty nine almost in the books of the business storytelling show. Really appreciate you coming on, Ron. Uh, but here's my controversial question for you. Maybe give me a minute answer. Uh, why? How do you know that your content doesn't suck? <laughs> I have to admit, some of my content has sucked. Um, but I'm learning every single day. And actually, it was a great exercise during the post, hashtag why most content sucks, um, to really, because I asked people for feedback in the communities of content creators, and they gave me some wonderful feedback. And um, I actually learned a lot about how not to make content suck and how to make good content simply by working those posts and, and working through that exercise. So um, I don't know for a fact if my content sucks, but um, I've had very good reactions to my most recent series, hashtag why most content sucks on LinkedIn. You know, and the other thing I think people need to realize is even when we do, when we, especially when we create a lot of content, at some point we're going to create content that is not the best content we've ever created, right? It's like 
uh, you have to move forward and, and hopefully um, the majority of your content is good. And if you hit something that's not on the mark, uh, you just got to move forward and not cry about it. Um, tell us here in, in, uh, in about a, a 90 seconds or so, um, how do people reach out to you? Who should reach out to you? Who do you work with? Who is your, your perfect client, so to speak? Well, we generally in the past have worked with Fortune 500 companies such as General Electric and Siemens and um, a little bit for BMW. Um, but what we've done recently is we've um, created services for smaller companies to generate content for really good long form content generation, whether it be white papers, ebooks, um, um, guides, handbooks, or short form content such as um, blogs and social media. Um, the, the easiest way to reach out to me is through email, which um, I'd like to give now, and that's rwatt at watt-co.com. That's rwatt at watt-co.com. Um, the other way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. Um, so we offer different types of content generation services for all different types of companies. Fantastic. And, you know, it's interesting, short form, I, short form content, I just wrote about that not too long ago here. Uh, certainly, it has a, does have a place in our content ecosystem, whether it's short form audio or short form video or short form um, writing. Ron, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah. And hopefully everyone enjoyed the episode and it didn't suck at all. <laughs>that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.